Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got another great show lined up for you. It's one that's tackling a problem that's pervasive throughout Indian country. and In fact, it's pervasive throughout the Western world and perhaps even beyond. We're talking about some of the things that impair human performance, impair our quality of life. And we've got an expert to help us tackle this important subject. He is Dr. Greg Wells. Greg, it is great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Greg, you are someone who is well-known in the medical world and the professional community. You're an assistant professor of kinesiology at the University of Toronto, and although that means a lot to those of us in the healthcare field, uh, other people hear this term kinesiology. They say, well, what is that all about? <laughs> yeah, so I'm a scientist, and I study the human body. And so it's sort of like if you've ever heard of a psychologist, you know, they look at the brain or the mind. Uh, I'm a physiologist. I look at how the body works, and I'm really interested in doing that sort of in two different populations. I work mostly with elite athletes like Olympians and uh, adventure expedition people who go and climb mountains and stuff like that. Uh, And then the other group that I work with is children with chronic diseases like cancer and heart disease, and I do that at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto where I live. So I'm basically either working with people that are trying to win medals at the Olympic Games or kids who are trying to overcome the worst diseases. And what I'm trying to do now is to take what we learn from the extreme to help everybody, all of us who uh, you know are not trying to climb a mountain or just trying to get through life. And I think mm-hmm. that we can learn so much from those different populations that we can use to live a really amazing life. And so that's what I'm all about these days. This is so exciting. You've got a doctorate in exercise physiology, right? I do. I got... Uh, my doctorate in exercise physiology, and then I went on to do uh, respiratory physiology at the Hospital for Children as a postdoc. So I studied exercise medicine in my PhD, so how we use exercise to prevent, diagnose, and treat treat chronic diseases, uh, how we can use exercise to help athletes perform better and train better. Uh, And then after that, I specialized in lung lung health, so cystic fibrosis, asthma. Uh, And then since then, as I've started to build out my research program at SickKids, we've done cancer and heart disease and lupus and inflammatory conditions and all sorts of other stuff, too. So it's really exploded. Wow, this is so exciting because you're really dealing with the whole spectrum from people with some of the worst diseases early in life to individuals trying to maximize performance. And you've got lessons for all of us that can help us perform better, don't you? That's the idea. I really want to make it tactical and, like, really, really practical for people to take. I read up on you before I got on the show, and I'm super excited because one of the things I love about you and what you're trying to do is you take complex information and you make it accessible and understandable for people. And I want to do that too. Like a research paper is a research paper, but if you don't, and it's important because it, it helps everyone to figure out, you know, what we, where we need to go. But at the same time, unless we understand what to do, it's kind of wasted. So I'm really interested in helping people understand the science that they can take really good action in their own lives. 
Well, let's tackle one of these areas. It's one that immediately resonated with me when I was learning about your work, Greg, and that is a little bit of background. Many of my listeners have heard that we came out recently with a book called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, where we looked at a host of natural things that could help people with this chronic disease. We featured a whole chapter on the topic of rest because we were convinced that that people aren't doing real well in that area and talked about how it can help uh, blood pressure. You've really taken a very close look at the sleep and rest habits of people, uh, might I say, throughout the Western world and beyond, and you've come to some amazing conclusions. Share those with us. Yeah, when I, I got uh, really sick about four years ago. I ended up with a heart infection, and I was in the hospital, and when I was trying to figure out how to get out of the hospital and never to go back, I started researching what I needed to do to be healthier, what I needed to do to help my heart get better. And over and over and over again, all the latest cutting-edge research suggested that sleep was the foundation. If you sleep well, if you're getting great rest, that's what allows the body to heal and to recover. And so we made sleep a huge priority. When I got out, I looked into it a little bit further, and I discovered that 25% of North Americans have a diagnosed sleeping disorder. There's something wrong. They're not sleeping well. They cannot recover and regenerate. And that's associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, increased risk of diabetes, increased risk of depression, increased risk of cancer. You can't learn if you're not sleeping well. So if there's a child in your home that's not sleeping well, they're not going to learn well at school. So this really has become one of the most important things in my life in order to keep healthy so I can live long and hang out with my kids for as long as possible, but also for helping others to live the best life that they possibly can. You want to sleep. If you want to live a great life, sleep is the absolute first, single, and most important thing we need to work on. Well, what's so amazing about this, Greg, is you know I, I can tell you over the years, I think many people could. It's almost as if in our culture we uh, not only uh, devalue the importance of sleep, but somehow we think people are more gifted if they can get by with less sleep, when really it seems like we're undermining our physiology. And I got to admit, um, I've not always been the best at safeguarding my uh, my sleep and prioritizing that. Yeah. It's one of the really interesting things is that we don't value sleep enough. And we think that if we sleep less, we're somehow winning the battle. And I actually think that we need to do the exact opposite. The research is totally clear that if we get between seven and eight hours of sleep, we have the lowest risk of all-cause mortality that's dying from cancer, heart disease, type diabetes, everything, and we have the longest possible lifespan. If we get less than six hours, our risk of all-cause mortality starts to go up. So we, if you want to live a long time, if you want to be healthy, if you want to not get sick, sleep is the foundation for that. But I actually think it goes even further because for me... And for what I hope for other people is that we live a life where we can be the best that we can be for our families. We can be creative. We can problem solve. We can be artistic. We can play sports, whatever it is that we care about the most. And if you want to be creative, if you want to problem solve, all of that actually happens best when we sleep. Hmm. We learn in the first half of sleep in the first three to four hours. We're creative and we problem solve in the second half of sleep. And so it's really important I believe, to prioritize sleep. And I've admittedly, you know, I also had a phase of my life where I was working really hard, young family, wasn't sleeping very much. It's one of the reasons why I got so sick. But now it's a huge priority, and it's just taken our family life to another level, 
I've been able to start exercising much, much better, again, getting back into racing and other stuff like that. And it's also enabled me to do a much, much better job at work. So I really believe it's critical, not just for health, but also for you reaching your potential as a human being. Well, let's talk a little bit about this performance issue. I mean, a, a lot of us are uh, interested in, in being physically active, but uh, we don't have any aspirations of being in the Olympics or a professional athlete. I'll tell you from my own experience, Greg, and, and you can tell me if there's research that supports this. I can remember uh, back to my days in medical school and residency, these, these extreme long hours, and I was always, uh, ever since uh, young adult years, college, active on a daily basis trying to do some, but I actually, for there were, I think it was several years where I couldn't run. My joints just couldn't handle the, uh, that activity with the small amount of sleep I was getting. Is that a, a real connection or was there something else going on? No, that's a, a real connection. You're hundred percent right. And what happens when we sleep is that there's a hormone that's released from our brain called melatonin. Melatonin controls our sleep wake cycle. But that hormone, that chemical, also has all sorts of other effects within the body. It improves the immune system. And if you aren't sleeping well, it actually has a negative effect on your immune system. The immune system is a system inside your body made up of white blood cells and a whole bunch of other stuff that fights off disease, keeps your body clean, and fights off infection. So if you're not sleeping very well, your inflammation inside your body, the aches and pains, the irritation, the soreness, all of that can get out of hand. If you leave it for a long time, that's one of the things that leads to a host of different diseases. So you're absolutely correct that sleep is linked to that. The first sign of you not being rested, of you not feeling your best, that maybe there's something wrong inside your body that you need to begin to address is exactly as you notice those aches and pains. So I'm glad you noticed that. And it's great that we're able to talk about this and hopefully help other people to take a couple steps just to sleep a little bit better so that they feel better and their bodies are healthier at the same time. So, Greg, you already mentioned that 25% of people have, have diagnosed conditions that are interfering with their sleep. We, we might get to that in a moment, but let's talk first about those 75% that don't have any problem that's keeping them awake, but it may be the television set, it may be the, the workload, it may be other demands. What kind of advice do you have for people to help them do better in that uh, area of sleep? You know, the most important thing that I've discovered that makes the biggest difference so quickly is protecting the last hour before you fall asleep at night. So mm. if you're planning on going to sleep at, let's just say, arguably 10 o'clock, that means that from 9 o'clock on, you've got to start preparing yourself to sleep. You know, if we think that we can run around and do lots of stuff and read and watch the news and then suddenly lie down in bed and go to sleep, it's crazy. It's like going from, you know, 100 miles an hour in the car <laughs> reaching to a halt and expecting things to work well. It doesn't work. What we need to do is slowly calm down. We just need to turn off and please, if you're listening, please, one hour before you go to sleep at night, turn off your phone, turn off your iPads, put away the devices, turn off the television, get the screens off. It will make a huge difference in your life if you do that. It's one of the most important things for us to do is to try to replicate the sun being up and the sun going down. When the sun goes down, it gets dark out. Ideally, you make your home a little bit darker. You start turning down the lights, start turning off lights. I love using candles. They just give you the, such beautiful lighting in your home at night. And that routine that you build in that hour before you fall asleep at night really helps to protect the quality of your sleep and to teach your body 
how to go to sleep quickly and how to go to sleep deeply. Another little biohack that you can use that I love is a hot bath followed by a cold, cool shower hmm. because that decrease in temperature triggers the release of melatonin, which helps to fall asleep more quickly and more deeply. So put away the devices, turn off the television, read an amazing fiction book, take a hot bath, cold shower, chill out for an hour. And if you make that part of your daily routine, you will be amazed at how good you feel the next day. It, uh, when I do that, it's my, my days are completely different. So it's become a huge priority for me. So I'm thinking of many of my listeners, Greg, who come from traditional Native American perspectives. They're saying, hey, we knew this for centuries. We didn't have all these distractions before the Europeans came here, and especially before the last you know, few, uh, uh, few decades. But um, a lot of folks are listening, and they're saying, okay, well, I mean, I can relate maybe to the hot bath. They're trying to wrap their minds around the cool uh, shower or whatever comes after it, but they're thinking, well, an hour with no television, no devices. Uh, I mean, what am I going to do? Uh, so, other than <laughs> yeah, so so so, what kind of practical things? You mentioned some reading. So, reading is going to be okay. Yeah, reading fiction is awesome. Um, I love the fact that when we start to talk about being healthy, when we start to talk about doing things in our lives that help us to be better. So much of it reverts back to, not even reverts back to, takes advantage of the practices that have been used by Native North Americans for thousands of years. I think that we can learn so much, and we really need to get back to some of those practices. We, you know, European descent, we didn't take advantage of, and maybe we may have lost. I think that it's really important for us to do that because the storytelling mm-hmm. is just such an incredibly powerful tool for activating the parts of your brain that you that you use to dream. And that's why I think books are so incredible. Uh, having conversations with your family, absolutely magical. That hot bath, cold shower. I know you have a Christian audience. Prayer is an amazing thing to do. Uh, meditation's amazing. Walking, just anything that you can do. Yoga, stretching, all those sorts of things are, are really wonderful for shifting gears, slowing down. And uh, when you start to do it consistently, it's almost like you don't need to be distracted by the television anymore. You mm-hmm. reconnect with family. You start to discover amazing stories. Your brain starts to be more creative. You have better conversations with your kids, deeper connections within the family. So even though it might seem like a long time, like an hour with no television, an hour with no devices, uh, we actually canceled cable in my house recently. So we don't have television anymore, wow. but there's no temptation. Every once in a while, I'll watch a, a really important sporting event because I love sports. I'll just watch that online. But it's really amazing what happens when you get back to basics and you start doing things the right way. Your life, you, you get your life back and you feel differently and your family feels differently and the connections deepen and life just takes on a completely different meaning. It's super powerful. Well, great stuff, Greg. we got to step away just for a couple of minutes. I'm Dr. David DeRose speaking with Dr. Greg Wells. A lot more great insights into how you can improve your performance, make a difference in your family, your tribe, and beyond. Don't go away. More with Dr. Wells in just a couple minutes. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke... 
And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking with Dr. Greg Wells, an exercise physiologist and uh, someone who has just got an immense fund of interest and wealth of knowledge when it comes to making a difference in people's lives. If you've been with us from the top of the hour, you learn that Greg is doing everything from helping elite athletes to helping kids with cancer, and he's now helping people like you and me to really just perform better and do better. Greg, this isn't just something you're on the lecture circuit talking about and uh, being a guest on radio shows and television, but you've actually written a book that targets these topics as well, right? Yeah, I did. Over the last two years, I settled down, and I really wanted to start sharing this information more broadly, so I decided to write a book called The Ripple Effect. Uh, it took a long time, but I really felt that it was important to share what I think the four pillars of healthy living are, and that's eat, sleep, move, and think better. And uh, I'm really excited. So far, it's going really well. The feedback's been great, and so I, I hope that it makes a difference in people's lives. Tremendous. You call it the ripple effect. What's the... Uh reason for giving it that uh, engaging title? Yeah, the reason for that has everything to do with the fact that I just started discovering all these amazing links between sleep and exercise, exercise and movement, movement and psychology. We actually could, didn't come up with a title until right near the end. We couldn't figure out what to call it. And then one day we were looking at the stories and we discovered that if you sleep well, you control the, the hormones that regulate your appetite. And so you can eat better. If you sleep well, you release something called growth hormone that heals your body faster so you can exercise more. And then if you exercise more, you improve slow-wave sleep, which helps you to recover faster. 
then if you start eating better, your muscles get better. And then if you exercise more, your brain improves. And so we just felt that we should stop talking about going on a diet or starting exercising and just start talking about healthy living and how once you start doing one thing, it has a cascade of other beneficial effects in a whole bunch of different areas. And so we ended up at the ripple effect and that was the idea behind it. And uh, I've applied it in my own life, playing with it a lot with my kids. Uh, we're really trying to make this a part of our lives as our family and uh, it's making a huge difference for us. So I really hope it helps other people too. This is such a fascinating topic because what I hear you saying, Greg, is for all of my patients over the years and patients I have currently, people that I'm speaking to, people that you're dealing with, if they just start prioritizing one thing, maybe sleeping better, that's actually going to make it easier for them to get on a better exercise program, eat better and all this, or is this just kind of pie-in-the-sky thinking? No, I truly believe it makes a huge difference. Like, here's how powerful it is. If you do 15 minutes of exercise, like one five minutes, uh, at the intensity of walking, if you go for a walk every single day, 15 minutes, not very much time, you decrease your risk of cancer, certain types of cancer, breast cancer and colon cancer, 24 to 40%. So 15 minutes of walking can cut your risk of cancer by a third on average. That's incredibly beneficial. And it's only 1% of your day. 15 minutes is 1% of your day. Wow. It's amazing what we can do if we do these little tiny things. It doesn't have to be a massive life overhaul. Start small. Just be consistent. And if you do that, amazing things will happen. Well, let's come back to the area of sleep because I know some folks are saying, okay, we heard the seven, eight hours. We heard the, you know, one hour before bed, you know, winding down, uh, turn off all the devices, turn off the TV, maybe get rid of my uh, uh, cable uh, plan. And, you know, if they do, they might have uh, some extra money to, to put into the food department or into some exercise equipment or maybe a health club membership. We'll, we'll let uh, our listeners figure that one out on their own. But, but Greg, there's a question that I often get asked and it has to do with sleep time. Does it really matter what time someone gets to bed? Is consistency important? How, how do you weigh in on all those issues? I think consistency is huge. If you, the key thing, it's actually a little bit of a, a switch. I recommend people set a bedtime alarm, not a wake-up alarm. I know it sounds kind of weird, but huh. I think it's more important to go to sleep at the same time every single night because if you do that, you're going to end up in a consistent rhythm. And you'll end up waking up naturally at roughly the same time every day, feeling awesome. So I actually have set a bedtime alarm around 9.30 just to remind myself that, look, you've got about a half hour to an hour to get to sleep. And that's like, okay, you got to start putting things away. you got to stop working. you got to start cleaning up the kitchen. Let's get, let's get settled. And so consistency is absolutely everything when it comes to sleep. Your body needs to know when to start releasing the chemicals and hormones and neurotransmitters that enable you to fall asleep. And it gets really confused if you fall asleep at different times every single night. Now, this begs a whole other question, and, and maybe you've looked into this, but over the years, as I've looked at some of the uh, the sleep literature, I've looked at some of these hormonal rhythms. You've mentioned growth hormone. You've mentioned melatonin. And when you look at when these hormones peak, they typically peak earlier in the night. A lot of people have used that to argue for getting to bed earlier Others have said, well, maybe the data indicates they peak earlier in the night because people typically go to bed at a certain time. And if everyone went to bed at 2 in the morning, they would peak at uh, 3 or 4 in the morning. Is there really some kind of golden hour that you should be in bed in order to optimize these uh, sleep-related hormones? 
you know, what I've been telling people is that we need to get back to nature. We sort of look at natural rhythms and natural cycles of plants, of animals, of humans. You know, if you just think about a flower, a flower will close at night. It'll open during the day. If you, if you do time-lapse photography of a tree, the, the leaves actually move to, tra- to track the sun. And every single species of animal on the planet has something inside the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Obviously, you don't need to know that, but it regulates all of the chemistry of the body dependent upon light-dark cycles. So if we notice that the sun is going down, your body chemically will notice that, and we need to try to replicate that inside of our home. Hmm. By turning, you know, if you have dimmer switches, turn them down. If you have lights, turn off as many of them as you can. Um, so I love using candles in the evening just because, obviously, be careful you don't burn your house down, obviously. But, you know, we just love to try to switch and mimic the sun going down in our home. And the reason why we do that is because the body is naturally geared towards releasing hormones and chemicals that help us to fall asleep when the sun goes down. When we flood our homes full of light, it really confuses things. And so I love for people just to try to take advantage of that and to use the natural rhythms of our world to enhance our health, to enhance our sleep, and to ultimately feel so much better the next day. So I'm a big fan of hours before midnight and trying as much as you can to mimic the natural rhythms of of the sun and, and of the moon. Boy, great messages. So let's take all this that we're talking about and segue to another topic that I know is something that's of great concern, really, to pretty much every population group. We're fighting a battle, and it's a battle when it comes to our waistlines. Uh, It's not a Native American problem. I know sometimes when I'm in Indian country, uh, I'll hear people talking about challenges they may have with weight, but Native Americans historically were a lean people. If you look at records uh, before European contact, they were placed on reservations, given these commodity foods, and many of my First Nation friends tell me about some of the, the sad stories that have happened in their communities because of really what is uh, an enforced lifestyle, at least was uh, to many extents and, and still is in some places. But what can someone do if they're looking in the mirror and they feel like uh, they really want to trim down? Can sleep be one of the things in that equation that can really make a difference? Absolutely. So if you sleep well, you regulate two hormones, leptin and ghrelin, or ghrelin, some of the people pronounce it differently, leptin and ghrelin, leptin and ghrelin. And those are the hormones that regulate your appetite, how hungry you are, and your satiety, or how full you feel. And so just imagine the last time you had a really bad sleep and what you ate the next day, probably too much, maybe a little bit of junk. Your ability to control yourself is not fantastic if you don't sleep well. Hmm. So if you want to eat better, if you want to start making better decisions around the foods that you're eating, then sleep is essential because it controls those nutrients. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, this is a huge issue. 68% of Americans, almost 70% are overweight or obese. And once again, I think the solution lies in our ancestry, not my ancestry, unfortunately, being European background, but in the ancestry of First Nations. There was a really cool study done in Canada on Vancouver Island, which is sort of north of Seattle. And what they did with the First Nations population there was to see what happens if we go back to eating traditional foods, so lots of fish lots of vegetables, uh, and over a very rapid period of time,
that population decreased, the depression in that population decreased, the obesity began to reverse itself. So we have the solution. We just need to get away from the processed foods. If it comes out of a box, it's probably not all that good for you. Mm. If you recognize it as food, meat, fish, vegetables, fruit, that is a really excellent way just to begin the process of getting back to being as healthy as you can possibly be. The idea is to eat real food, make it yourself, eat it with family and friends. And those three simple tips can take you a long way towards feeling better and getting rid of obesity. We want to talk more about obesity, but we do have to step away for just a couple of minutes. Before we do, Greg, we've mentioned your book, The Ripple Effect, Eat, Sleep, Move, and Think Better. Where can someone get more information about the book or pick up a copy? Check out my website, drgregwells.com, and the book is available on Amazon. You can check that out as well. Just search Dr. Greg Wells and The Ripple Effect, and you'll find it. Okay, very good. We're speaking with Greg Wells. Greg is an assistant professor of kinesiology at the University of Toronto. He works also at the Hospital for Sick Children there in Toronto, and he's making a difference not only in the lives of people who are striving for optimal performance, but also people who are dealing with some of the worst possible diseases that we handle in the human condition. He's here to help you, and he's not going away. I'm staying by. You do, too, because we're coming back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. 
Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Greg Wells. Greg is the author of the book, The Ripple Effect, Eat, Sleep, Move, and Think Better. Greg is bringing his expertise in exercise physiology to make a difference for you and those that you love. Greg, we are speaking about a condition that some have... uh, I would say incorrectly labeled a problem of other races. And the reason I'm saying it that way is often we look at uh, those in our own population, we feel like we're doing pretty good, and we look around us and say that's someone else's problem. But obesity, like you pointed out, is everyone's problem. Uh, 68% of North Americans kind of across the board have issues with their weight. And you mentioned to us sleep is an important part of the equation. So is what we eat. What about exercise? How important is that in the grand scheme of things? It's so critical. We know that exercise does wonderful things for the human body. We know that it it makes your lungs better. It makes your heart better. It improves your liver, fixes your digestive system, improves your muscles, bones, skin. We've also learned recently that it helps your brain, helps you learn better. So exercise is massive and i think that uh some of the times we you know we find it hard to get out and exercise i I just think people need to sprinkle it back into their lives don't need to worry about going to the gym or spending an hour running you need to walk more you need to garden you need to go to the park with your family play with your kids actively don't one of the hardest workouts i've done in the last couple years i took my two-year-old to the park Okay. And I did everything that he did for an hour. Uh, I was exhausted. Like he went, he dropped into this deep squat for like five minutes. I was pouring sweat onto the sandbox. So it's just all about building into your life in a, a way that is just integrated, and and not, you don't have to worry about like going to the gym. We just need to be. We just need to move more. And if we can do that, every single part of your body will get so much better. Now, there's a lot of directions we could go with this, Greg, but I'll take you there in a couple of things that draw on my experience, both uh, some of the research I've done some years ago, as well as what I hear from patients. When we just do research on exercise or when a patient of mine says, Dr. DeRose, I'm doing more physical activity, I often get a response like, well, I'm not losing much weight. Uh, my weight hasn't dropped that much. And then I start talking with them about muscle mass and things of that nature. But is it true that just exercise alone often will not uh, cause huge weight reductions? Yeah, it's hard to lose. Once you have body fat, it's hard to lose it. And uh, one one of the things I like saying to people is that you can't outrun a bad diet. Hmm. So if you're exercising a little bit more, there's research that says even if you do not lose any weight, if you start exercising, all of the physiological, all of the chemical, all the blood parameters inside your body that we can measure tend to get better. So even if you're not losing weight, you're getting healthier. The other really interesting thing when you start exercising again is that your muscles will improve hmm. and your muscles pull on your bones. And if that happens, your bones get stronger. And the problem for a lot of people is that your muscles and your bones weigh a lot more than fat does. So even though you might have less body fat and be healthier and leaner, you may actually, especially in the first two to three months when you start exercising again, 
your weight may actually go up. That happens to me if I stop training for a while and I get back into it. I'll gain weight for the first couple of months, and then it starts to peel off. So the magic is to stick with it for a long time. Think about this as something you're going to do forever. That's why it's so important to find things that you love. That's why it's going for walks with your, your family in a park or getting away in the summer and getting back to nature or just being more physically active by walking at work or walking wherever you are. I mean, walking is just so, so amazing. I talk about it all the time. That is the key thing because it's the length of time that matters, not necessarily uh, you know, what's going to happen in the short term. And your body always responds in the long term if you do things consistently. And exercising consistently will make a huge difference in your life. And eventually your body will start to respond and you will start to lose weight. It just may take some time. I really appreciate this point you've made several times, Greg, about walking, because many of my listeners, they may be listening on a reservation. They may be far from any kind of a health club. Sure, others may be in actually close proximity in an urban area to a health center. They may be even on a reservation where there's some great fitness facilities. I've been in uh, such places in Indian country. But others, they're in some large reservations. They may not have anything that is within easy access that they may be associating with what they need to be on a good exercise program. But I hear you actually saying you don't really need any of that equipment to get some good, high-quality exercise. Am I hearing you right? You are 100% correct. I only go to the, I, I try to work out four or five times a week. I only go to the gym once. Like I like running and walking outdoors. I like going to the park with my kids. I love riding my bike. Uh, I try to do everything I can to stay out of the gym. The gym is a last resort for me. I know that I need to do strength training, but I've, you know, I've, uh, when I'm with my kids and then every once in a while we go to the beach, I'll go find a whole bunch of rocks and just throw rocks around for an hour. Uh, like, I just love to try to do things outdoors. There's very convincing, extensive research that shows that just simply being in nature improves your immune system. When, when you're around trees, they release something called a phytoncide. We inhale those phytoncides. They go into our lungs. They get into our blood, and they make our immune system stronger. So you don't get as many flus. You don't get as much cold. Your immune system is how you fight off cancer. It can keep you from getting cancer. So... You're absolutely correct. I love it when people get out of the gym, into nature, uh, get outside. It's, you know, summer's coming. Let's let's just move more outdoors. And uh, you're absolutely correct. You don't need to worry about the health club. If you have one and you love it, great, go. That's awesome. Totally take advantage of it. But don't feel like it's the only place that you can get some exercise. In fact, the research says exercising outdoors is even more powerful than when you're in a gym. Now, you gave me a... Uh... A phrase in all my listeners, something that the trees are producing that just flew by. What was that uh, compound <laughs> the trees are making? Yeah, sorry for speaking over your words there. Uh, I just started laughing. So, but you're absolutely correct. It's called a phytoncide, P H Y T O N C I D E. And it's a substance that trees produce that goes out into the air and we inhale it. And when we inhale it, it gets into our lungs. And then from our lungs, it goes into our blood. And once it's in our blood, it makes our white blood cells stronger and more powerful. And the white blood cells are what the body uses to fight off invaders like fungus, bacteria, viruses, broken down cells, even other types of waste products. So the white blood cells are how our body stays clean on the inside and how we fight off infections like colds and flus. But it's also the system that fights off cancer. 
and inflammation, which we talked about earlier. And so getting into nature, inhaling those phytoncides can make your immune system so much more powerful. And you don't need to do it that often. The research also suggests that getting into nature, even as little as once a week, getting around trees once a week is enough to increase the power of your immune system for four, five, six, even seven days. Now, I'm, I'm somebody who likes words, so I'm thinking phyto, that refers to plant, and that's the first yeah. part of this word, phyt, P-H-Y-T, right? Yeah, correct. Now, what's the rest of it? Give it to us real slow. P-H-Y-N-T-O-N-T-I-D-E. That's, what they're, that's how you spell it. I hope. I hope I got that right. Oh, okay. So side, C-I-D-E, is something that kills something else. Correct. So it's a substance that the plants release to try to protect themselves uh, from, yeah, from insects that might try to eat their leaves or dig inside of them. And the interesting thing is that when we inhale those phytoncides, it triggers our bodies to have a reaction as well. And the way that our bodies have that reaction is through our immune system to try to protect us, and that's the white blood cells. So it's sort of like strengthening your immune system. It's almost like it stimulates your immune system to wake up and be stronger and be more active. The benefit of that is that not only do the white blood cells deal with the with the phytoncides, but they also deal with viruses, hmm. uh, bacteria that you may have gotten into your system, mm-hmm. any cancer cells that may be growing somewhere that we don't know about yet, because we all have cancer in our bodies all the time. It's just when we get run down and sick that we that we can get out of control. So. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting substance. And the, the term that I love using, that it wraps all of this up, which people can take away, is the idea of forest medicine. And this is huge in Japan, where people deliberately go to parks, and it, people almost think of it like forest bathing. Uh, and then I, you know, I love where I live, there's lots of trees, and the leaves fall in the fall, and there's big, huge piles of leaves, and I had my kids out there in the fall, and they were literally like bathing in all of these leaves covered in dirt. Uh, I could just sort of see them all inhaling these phytoncides, and I'm like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. So think about forest medicine. Think about bathing in nature, and that's exactly what we need to try to do to make us all so much healthier. I mean, this is so great. Uh, I've been excited about this topic for some time, and in fact, you might be interested when we actually wrote a chapter on uh, on breathing and air in our, our blood pressure book, we actually talked about, you know, this nature therapy that uh, many of the Asian cultures have appreciated for years, and of course, Native Americans have appreciated historically as well. So we've got all these things going for us just in our own backyards, if you will, and many times we neglect them thinking that we need something that we don't have, and many people seem like they get depressed because they think they don't have the resources to be healthy when really a lot of them are, uh, like you said, so easily accessible, aren't they, Greg? They really are. And the cool thing about a lot of it is that it's really cheap. In some cases, it's free. For walking, all you really need is a pair of shoes. It's not even that in some cases. Uh, To eat healthier, it's actually cheaper to eat healthy food than it is to eat highly processed food in the long run. Because if you make it yourself, you're saving a ton of money. Mm -hmm. So... One of the challenges is I think that in many cases we're told or we're, we're advertised to or we're made to think that, you know, it's hard. You've got to go to a gym. You've got to buy these shoes. You've got to buy these clothes. You've got to buy this type of cereal or whatever. 
And at the end of the day, you really just have to put on your shoes and go for a walk, and it's free. You've got to eat more vegetables and, and fruits and cook them yourself and share them with family and friends. Super cheap, a lot cheaper to do that, and infinitely better for you. So it's interesting when you really start digging into this that it's just such a better way of living. It's uh, you know getting back to community, getting back to family, getting back to friends, doing things that are fun, being happier in our lives, reconnecting to nature. And it's amazing what happens when you start to do that. All sorts of other sort of cascading effects happen in your life as well on the spiritual side and in other ways. So it's really fascinating how it all fits together at the end. Well, Greg, this is a dangerous interview, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm sitting here, and I'm saying, boy, couldn't we just finish this uh, this interview? Some of you are tuning in. Maybe you're saying, i got to get out and get a walk right now. And that's okay, because you can get the whole podcast of this show on a couple of different sites. If you're listening on one of the Life Talk radio affiliates, even if you're not, Life Talk. .net, lifetalk.net, archives all of the American Indian Living shows. You can also go to SoundCloud. SoundCloud is where Native Voice One and NPR actually archive their shows. So you can actually pick up this show. If you're saying, Dr. DeRose, I want to hear what Greg's got to say in the last segment, but I just, I just got to get out and get some exercise. Well, that's okay. We'll let you do that. Listen, if you're stuck in traffic right now or for other reasons, say, listen, I've got to listen to it now while I can get it. Listen, we will be back. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. We've got to step away, but our final segment coming up with Dr. Greg Wells. You don't want to miss it, whether you listen to the podcast or listen with us in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. DeRose. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Greg Wells for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're talking about things that can make a difference as far as your performance, and we've been seeing it through the eyes of an expert. Dr. Greg Wells is a exercise physiologist who's got a wealth of experience and been sharing very practical things with us. Greg, I know there's a lot of my listeners who are going to want more after this show. Do you have free stuff on your website, or is that mainly just a point of contact to grab uh, some of the resources that you've got out there? No, we've got uh, my podcast is on my website, drgregwells.com. There's a link at the top to get to the podcast. I've got almost 70 interviews with people all about health and human performance. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter. If you do that, you get a 35-page book with all sorts of tips about all of the things that we've been speaking about, totally free. Wow. Um, yeah, so then obviously Twitter and Facebook and all those sorts of things. So we pump out a ton of free content. I'm trying to solve a billion person problem in my lifetime and uh you know if you choose if you feel like you've gotten a huge amount of value from all of the free stuff that we give away if at some point you want to get my book that would be totally genius we'd love that too wonderful so it's all available at drgregwells.com absolutely yeah that's the easiest place to find it and that's dr greg wells w-e-l-l-s.com right correct so don't spell out doctor just write the letters dr then gregwells.com so, Greg, you got me interested in not only getting outside. I, I love to get outside. That's that's my primary venue for getting exercise. But uh, you've also got me interested in heading over to that website. But before I do, we want to talk about the mental piece because you're someone who, even though you've been focusing on the body and its performance, most people think, well, that's muscles, that's joints, that's what kinesiology is all about. But you've gotten very interested in how mental health plays into all this. What's the connection? Yeah, you know, as I was, I've been so, speaking at so many schools this year and over the last couple of years, actually, and one time I was speaking, talking about physical health and how that has a positive effect on the brain and how eating better helps the brain and how mental health is such a challenge. This little girl in the front row started crying and after I, I kind of finished my talk as fast as I could so I could get to her and she's in grade nine, 14 years old. And she said, Greg, you know, I wish that you'd been here earlier. My friend just committed suicide last week mm. and I'm you know, just devastated. My heart's ripped out of my chest. And since then I've been all over trying to address this mental health epidemic. And the more I dig in, the more I research it, the more I study depression, anxiety, stress, the more I'm learning that one of the most powerful ways to improve mental health is to get active. Mm. And we know that not only if you get active, does that improve your or decrease the symptoms of depression, but it also decreases the symptoms of anxiety. It helps to dissipate all this, get rid of all the stress hormones that we have in our body. So funny enough, even though we think of the mind and body as being separate things, they're more and more and more. I'm realizing that they're more or less one of the same thing. And that if we improve our body, we improve our minds as well and our brains. So I'm really interested in that link. And 
how we can help people to feel better both mentally and physically. So does it work both ways? I mean, are there things you can do to improve your mental health that will make it easier to eat better and to exercise and to sleep better? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm really excited about right now is this idea of focus. And I know this thing everyone's probably heard of, but we live in an era of constant distraction. We have text messages and social media. And not that I'm a, against social media. I think it's amazing. It's, it's how the world is being changed right now for the better in many ways. Fortunately, some negative effects too. But I love it when people can just control their attention and do spend some time every single day on whatever it is that matters to them the most. I call it the 90-91 formula, which I learned from a gentleman named Robin Sharma, who's got some great books out too. And it's the challenge that can you, for 90 days, spend 90 minutes on the single most important thing in your life? If that's crafts, if it's art, if it's sports, if it's family, whatever it is, uh, if you can just get focused in on that one thing, turn off the phone, turn off the email, get deep into whatever it is that matters the most to you, Having that time to focus really seems to dramatically improve mental health. It's these constant distractions that take away our potential and really hurt us long term. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about. I'm encouraging people to explore. I've got this in- interesting uh, audience. We've talked about it a little bit off air. We've got folks that listen to American Indian Living. They're listening on reservation-based stations. There are other folks that are tuning in in networks that air primarily Christian programming. Some people are surprised to hear that if they're not listening uh, on a Christian network. And I think one of the reasons that this message and the the kind of programs that we uh, air on American Indian Living resonate across those groups is because we're getting back to these basics that have been valued not only by First Nation peoples, but by uh, some of the world's great religions historically, whether it's Christianity or Judaism, Buddhism, Islam. You can look at uh, at this uh, from that perspective as well. And when we speak about focus, uh, I mean, this is clearly something that's part and parcel of all these spiritual traditions, whether it's in Indian country or, or outside it, isn't it? Absolutely. And I've I'm really fortunate in my life to have been able to travel a lot. I've been to 50 countries around the world, all through Africa, all through Europe and uh, India. I actually just got back from a week in India, and I took my seven-year-old daughter with me, and we went to the mountains to go to meditation and learn about meditation and mindfulness um, in a place where yoga and meditation began. And it was just incredible to see the power of what happens when you're able to connect to the, I'll just call it the energy, whatever that happens to be for whoever you're listening, whatever you believe in, um, whoever's listening. And I've also been to Jerusalem and I've you know spent time in all of the amazing places there. I've been to Africa and been taking part in ceremonies in, in rural uh, Kenya and Ethiopia uh, when I rode my bike across Africa back in 2003. So the, the pattern is consistent around the world. It's about focusing. It's about eliminating distractions. It's about connecting. Uh, it's about finding purpose. Um, it's about really going deep inside yourself. And it's something that we don't do enough of in our world these days. And that's one of the reasons why I brought my seven-year-old daughter. I really want her to start exploring this globally and seeing how many different cultures do it, so that at some point she can make a decision about what direction she wants to take her life. So I would encourage everyone to think about that. You know, deep prayer is very similar to meditation. Uh, there's amazing 
experiences that I've had here in Canada uh, in a sweat lodge, which I know is part of the First Nations traditions here in, in Canada. And so there's, there's amazing things around the world that you can do to really connect deeply with, with energy that can help to make your life a lot more meaningful and, and help, to, help you to find purpose and help you to find a, a higher vibration, higher level of energy to take with you into whatever it is that you care about the most. You know, Greg, one of the interesting things I find about what we're talking about right now, and I've got some of my listeners who are just really excited about what we're talking about, and I'll be honest with you because I, I, uh, I'm often on the road and I'm interacting with people. Some of them are worried about what we're talking about because they're saying, well, you're validating, you know, other systems that aren't true. I mean, this is false, and, and uh, you know, we've got it right the way we see it in our, uh, from our perspective. Let's put all that aside just for a minute and listen to what Dr. Wells is saying. He's simply making a point about the power of focus. And I'm not going to, on this show, uh, necessarily uh, take a position on, on whether something's better or worse as far as meditation or deep prayer or certain of these practices. I'll leave uh, you as listeners to sort that out. But the point is simply this. As we focus, as we, we get away from all these distractions, there are benefits. And some people might say, well, but some of these practices uh, I don't think are, are, are really what we should be doing. There can still be benefit, even in things that may not be in keeping with your particular spiritual frame of reference. Greg, maybe I've belabored that point a, a little bit, uh, a little bit more than was necessary. But I know sometimes people get into arguments about these issues, and it becomes very polarized. Whether you're coming from a First Nations perspective or a perspective of one of the world's uh, uh, great religions, uh, I've heard arguments and people have even written me angry letters about uh, positions that my guests have taken on the show but I don't hear you taking sides you're just saying we need to get away from the distractions and do something where we can focus am I hearing you right you're absolutely correct and well I um, have traveled extensively and I've tried to learn as much as I can and all that I'm asking your audience to do is just to do this think about what matters to you the most what what do you want to connect with deeply and take some time to do that and take some time to do that in a manner where you're not distracted, Mm. really commit to it, create a room in your house for it. Uh, Take some time every week where you do that very deliberately and you engage with it. Spend some time with family and friends doing that and whatever that is, go to church, pray deeply, go for a walk in nature and if you can really connect to it and if it's something that matters to you deeply, it's going to be very, very powerful for you. And it'll make your life a lot better. Uh, So that's the primary message there. Yeah, I definitely don't want to get into what's right and wrong or any sort of those sorts of judgments. I just want people to think about what matters to you, spend some time deliberately connecting to that, and just explore the incredible things that happen when you do that. Greg, our time has slipped away. For those of you that have enjoyed the dialogue, there is a lot more information that Dr. Greg Wells is sharing. You can access it at drgregwells.com. That's drgregwells.com. You can pick up a copy of his book, The Ripple Effect, Eat, Sleep, Move, and Think Better. And you can get all kinds of free materials. We have got to run. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.